Hello, friends, and welcome to Belief Beat, our weekly podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church here in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where we talk each week about things that matter with people who matter. I'm Mo. I'm your host this week. This, incidentally, is week 15 of this podcast, and in the previous 14 weeks, we've had guests from in and around Unity, um, experts on all kinds of different things, birds, photography, wine, music, racism, COVID, and um, today, we actually have two gentlemen with us who are experts on unity itself. We have David and Michael Horner-Eibler, sons of the reverends Barb and John Horner-Eibler. And um, David, Michael, we are just delighted to have you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. You two have been here for a long, long time. Michael, I think, isn't your birth the milestone for how we... We measure the um, HI tenure at Unity. It is the HI tenure at Unity and the HI tenure in Brookfield, Wisconsin. They are very nearly aligned. And how old are you now? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 23. Going on 24. So in that, like a month and a half. Two months. <laughs> Almost 24. And so was it right before, right before you were born or right after? Right, well, uh, right after. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of furniture, but there was a fire because Dad does like making fires. Yeah, and small Michael. Wow, excellent. Twenty-four years. So between just the length of your family's tenure here and your like very unique proximity to this place as staff, because you know Unity or at least Christ of Life in a way that. Um, well, nobody else does. So we are delighted to have you and pick your brain about everything from uh, the best food to find in the kitchen to how this place has shaped you uh, for better and for worse and everything in between. So we're glad you're here. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's see. Um, David, we'll make you go first since you are older. And uh, I'm just curious if like what some of your first memories are of the church or, or if there's a moment that you, you like kind of realized that you are a pastor's kid. Oh, it was, I mean, first the old Ed wing. So if anybody has been around long enough to remember before there were multiple stories and before there was the extended Ed wing, there was like a short Ed wing. And there was one of those old TV sets that you could roll around with like a VCR attached to it. And that is like my first like concrete consistent memories of Cross of Life is my dad dragging me to church <laughs> on like a Tuesday, throwing me at like the end of the Ed Wing, like as far as humanly possible that anyone can get from me and me to get from anyone and throwing on some sort of movie and saying, I'll be back, don't take too many cookies from the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> So that's like the beginning of my memories at Cross of Life. In addition to obviously services and and, and all those other things, but um, like just like kind of like this time spent at COL, definitely the old Ed Wing and the TV set down there. And was this VHS at, at oh, that point? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm dating myself. I'm Excellent. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're getting so old. Very young, but I'm you know seasoned. <laughs> well seasoned. Absolutely. Michael, any uh, first memories? Uh, I'm pretty sure I knew I was a pastor's son when it was like an hour and a half past the end of the, uh, 
11 o'clock service, <laughs> yeah. and I was still watching Lion King, yeah. probably for the second or third time. I don't know yeah. how the time worked out, but, like, I watched that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gail had gone home, yeah. like, an hour ago, and I was just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Also, the old nursery. Mm-hmm. Or kitchen? What was that? Well, know. the nursery attached to the kitchen, but, yeah. you know. Anyways, I still remember that. Uh, I'm still salty. Somebody taped over Aladdin uh, <laughs> like the last 20 minutes with just some horse show. And then it was just gone. So I don't even oh, know. No. <laughs> oh, you have had like 20 odd years to work on. You know what? That's Church's fault. That's one of those mark against. <laughs> yep. We all carry wounds from our childhood. And we, David, we admire your resiliency and being able to overcome such adverse childhood experiences. But but speaking of adverse childhood experiences, I mean, thinking of childhood where uh, then Cross of Life played such a big part, um, wh- like, was this a place that you loved coming to, a place you dreaded coming to, Michael? I think, I, I think it was, well, Sundays I looked forward to because there, there were going to be people at church. But, like, I was pretty neutral about it because sometimes we were just there on, like, a Wednesday or a Thursday, and we were one of five people in the building at the time. And it's just like, I don't know, you found ways to occupy your time. It wasn't, like, here or there. And, you know, if all the staff was there at any given point, like, you people to run around and hang out with, distract them from their work and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I, like... I obviously don't remember it a whole lot, but I can only imagine it was a lot of fun as a kid. And then, like, once I got older and I knew how to read and, like, I don't know, use the toys in the nursery and whatnot, like, it was fun. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, you dread s- school at times yeah. as a kid growing up. But, like, I mean, you're going whether or not you want to. So, like, there's not really <laughs> any use in dreading it. So You're not going to get anywhere with that. We, yeah, we spent a lot of time at church. You, uh, um, But you, you get to know it. And... And I think there is a benefit to it in that sense, like Michael was saying, where you just, you know, you spend so much time there, you you, you always find a way to occupy yourself. And so I'm sure, you know, parents with, with people, or people with kids with parents that do different things uh, and different experiences, you know, have their own kind of nuanced realities. And so for you, it might seem weird that we spent, you know, four days out of the seven at church at some point in time. But for me, that's that's just what childhood looked like, you know? Is it? Well, I, you know, from the stories we've heard, you guys did find all kinds of ways to occupy your time there. Oh, Joanne, Tom, and I. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about some of those. And like when we, when I had first, so friends who are listening, when I had first um, approached these two about doing the podcast and asked if they had any ideas, the very first topic that came up was uh, best foods that you can find, best leftovers you can find in church kitchens. So fill us in, David, what was on your list? Um, My number one slot goes to cold pizza. Uh, And I think it should also be specified that this is like a raid. This isn't like good food, Mm -hmm. right? You are trapped. It's like a Tuesday, dad's at council. And after (laughs) council, he's got like the finance meeting. And then after that, he's going to talk to somebody. So you're stuck. And there's food at home, but that's like nine, that's like 9 PM. And so like, you got to get through it. So you're not looking for like a meal. You're looking for like hit and run, like take it back to your hidey hole before dad catches it with cookies again. (laughs) So number one, 
pizza because you can get in and out and you can keep that bad boy cold and you're good to go. Uh, I quickly followed that up with ruffles. I don't know why, but I'm big into church ruffles. I don't really eat ruffles anywhere else, but like at church, like that's my top choice. Would you not have ruffles at your house? Oh no, we didn't. We never had like chips or anything else at, at, at home. But even even now to this day, it's like yeah, I don't really ever go for ruffles unless I'm at a church event. I'm like, hmm, where are these ruffles at? <laughs> um, and then probably the last thing is like get yourself a nice little dessert sweet. Um, so like a cookie or a brownie or, or whatever you can really get your hands on. Um, but that one's easy because there's always some sort of sweet going on. And Michael, you said you actually prefer did you actually prefer your baked goods frozen and freezer dried or was that just out of necessity uh i think it you know it was an acquired taste it uh started out of necessity because most of the dessert options were frozen um at any given point in time because it's sometimes you know a couple weeks between events at church so you gotta uh, you gotta make things last so you know you go in you go in the freezer you either chest or the the stand-up ones you Find some frozen cookies or frozen brownie, whatever. Go to town. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I usually preferred the uh, finding the sweets to start with because those were more consistent. Like you knew, you knew there were sweets. So why, you know, why risk getting your hopes up for anything else? Um, and then for me, I always there. I don't know why. I always remember there being A and W in the fridges at church as well. Like the root beer. Yeah, the root beer. Yeah. So that was always like gold for me. I don't know why I remember that, but it might not even be true. It's just <laughs> how process Ruffles uh, and A&W root beer. Yeah. Taste of pastor kid childhood. I love it. So healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, mo- I mean, almost all of my favorite memories of you guys are in that kitchen. Just, I mean, I love our kitchen at at least at Cross of Life. It's where we all we all always end up. Yeah. Good hangout spot. Were there places you were not supposed to go, or things you were not allowed to do that you really really wanted to, David? Ooh, I don't, Michael, do you have an answer? Question. I mean, yes, tons. right, yeah, definitely. But like, which one? Which did we like listen to? Is the question. Hmm. I mean, I think maybe over the summer we were told not to bother people, and that was the hardest because you were so bored in the summer. And like that was before the internet, um, and so like you were like alone, truly. Oh yeah, for me, not yeah, for not so much for Michael, but for me <laughs> that was like pre-internet, so I had to kill time. Uh, and Joanne Tom is by far the easily most startled staff member at Unity, <laughs> um, and so and she's a, she's isolated down that hallway too. Mm-hmm. So get like a horn from the closet, or get a Bible, or you know anything that makes a loud noise, and just sneak up and. Psh, like you'll 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 just slam a book behind her and she'll just scream. Uh, Becky Wickert, on the other hand, does not take that kindly, and so she was absolutely. <laughs> she would you know she would be like you can't do that, and I'd be like I'm scared. Um, but Joanne, she was. Yeah. So in addition to you know where to find the best snacks, which staff members you can get away with stuff also important survival information for pastor kids. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear. Um, if anything comes to mind, the most trouble, church-related trouble either of you has ever gotten into that you're willing to uh, disclose to the group. Michael, anything? Well, I don't think so. Um, at least not that I remember. Might be blocking it out, not sure. Um, 
But like I had David in front of me, so like <laughs> I just learned not to do whatever David did. Yeah, and it was just a good rule and it worked well. So younger sibling. Okay. So it could have happened to anybody. <laughs> Great start. Can't wait to see where this is going. It to anybody, and let me just stress that, right? You know, that is, I think, important. Um, but I was the one that did punch through that hole in the wall on the rainbow hand wall on the way to the end wing. Um, and again, could happen to anybody. I was getting chased. I think it was Matthew Klebanon. I think he was back from like a, like a college situation. Um, and so I think he was like a freshman or sophomore in college as I was like a junior or senior in high school. Um, and we were playing crazy uncle and I was, I was coming down and it's easier kids pro tip, do what I do. If you push off the wall on a turn, you get more speed and you lose less momentum. It's true. That's science. I was a Spanish major in college. I know about this thing. Um, and What's so, the downside? Yeah. So with that momentum, right, you keep going quick. Now, if you are a 275 to 285 pound offensive lineman for the Brookfield Central Rancher football team, uh, that momentum sometimes carries you faster into the wall than the wall is prepared to accept, <laughs> at which point you will barrel through some small child's handprint uh, <laughs> and feel bad about that. Because I could have broke any other wall in the whole church, and this is the only one with little kids' hands <laughs> on it. And it's like, man, this one. Um, but it's still there, plastered to this day. And uh, I feel proud of that. I yes, do. you have literally left your mark on this place. And... Uh, our friends who are listening with us, the next time you find yourself in the Cross of Life building, if you haven't seen this yet, go check out the uh, rainbow hallway to the Edroom, and you'll see that one cloud is painted slightly <laughs> differently than all the rest, and that is uh, the David Horner Eibler legacy in this place. Yeah, that and only that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you become the stuff of legend. And actually, we use that story to comfort any parents who are, are like, embarrassed or feeling uncomfortable about what their kids are doing. Like, oh, believe us, that is nothing. And so you, you are serving as, like, the welcoming uh, beacon to all new families with rambunctious kids. So thank you for that legacy. I've set the bar so low. No, yeah, this is nowhere near that. But I do remember sometime, I think it must have been during confirmation, me and uh, Emmett Nelson uh, were sitting next to each other, probably like a quarter up from the back of church at some point. Dad was giving a sermon. And I don't know. Emmett and I just kept talking. We were conversa conversating. Not sure about what, probably unimportant at the time. But regardless, Dad... Um, as we all know, he's a walking talker, so he, he'll he'll get pretty far down that aisle. But that day in particular, he seemed to get all the way to where we were sitting and place a hand on the pew that we were in and uh, made his point. Uh, you knew. <laughs> yeah. You knew. I don't know if it stopped us a whole lot, but it was like, this is abnormal, and I don't know what he's trying to communicate, but I think I do. <laughs> I think that was the most trouble I might have gotten. I think that's delightfully telling about the two of you that that the the big memory David has is, you know, well the big memory that Michael has is a parent kind of subtly doing something to tell you to chill out, whereas David's memory is about literally breaking through a wall. But um, <laughs> oh, I love you both. But tell us, um, you know, I'm. 
we all appreciate everything your family has done for this place. And I'm sure it wasn't always easy. If you're, if you're up for it, are you up for sharing some of what was hard and could be from those early years, but just, you know, even big picture in general, growing up as pastor's kids was the hardest part. David? Okay. Um, I think probably the easy, the, the, the most difficult thing just in a, in a general sense was probably just everybody knowing your business like all the time. Um, and I, I think unity and COL and, you know, my family and staff handled it as well as possible. Um, you know, like small tangent, having met other pastors, kids who did I think, and I can't only speak for myself, but man, I feel like we turned out pretty okay. Um, and so I, I'm grateful for that in and of itself. Um, knowing and meeting other kids from, from other churches and how much just more that they would be invested in from the community and how much pressure would be put upon them. I think ours pales in comparison to that. Um, but in a general sense, you know, uh, having not just my mom and dad know what classes I was taking next semester or next year, but like also like everybody who went to the 1045 service and was like, Oh, how was that test that my kid took last week? And it's like, well, your kid did like much better than I did. And we <laughs> both know this. Um, and maybe if you could keep that from my father, that would be appreciated. Um, but it was also, it had its benefits as well. You know, um, it was really nice having that many people really take an interest in you and care with you and, and sometimes be excited for stuff um, that you didn't think was that cool. But, you know, a lot of people are excited. So that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Michael, any thoughts on that? I think, um, yeah, no, I would only echo that. Um, I think we both learned pretty on speaking, obviously for myself, but mm -hmm. I think can speak for David that we learned like, um, the importance of um, not necessarily just being on your best behavior, but being genuine to your behaviors. Um, and in a way, because we had the grace of the entire church community, which obviously we are eternally grateful for and has pretty much made us who we are. Um, but like we had the grace of an entire church community that we could really rely on uh which was really special um even though we you know everyone knew our stuff like we were um we were not anonymous we we couldn't crawl under the pews and someone would be like yeah that's someone else's kid no it was david or michael like it's you know um so i don't know i think it helped at least me just be uh genuine in my actions because like Childhood is a learning experience, and um, church just really fostered a great environment for that. Um, yeah, I think Chris Stanley taught me that one pretty early on, and with uh, with music, because um, I don't know, I was probably seventh grade or something, learning piano still, and I wanted to do a song just before a recital or whatever, and she was just like, "You can play however poorly or however well, like it's." everyone's going to enjoy it. Everyone's here to support you. Like it was just a really cool environment to be in. Yeah. yeah. David, go. The other thing that sucks. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I'm more now that we're all crying for Michael's beautiful reflection on grace. What you got? 
on a lighter note, uh, you I always you had to make yourself so scarce before services when the other acolytes oh, yeah. slash workers, worship assistants yep. wouldn't show up. So like when in our younger years, like yeah. between in like okay. elementary school, early middle school, like if another acolyte didn't show up on the bulletin, like you were scouting them out in the narthex to make sure they were there. At ten fifty five, if they weren't, it's like go Gone. go to Gone. the bathroom, hide. <laughs> Because Joanne is coming, dad's sending somebody down to wherever we are to grab us, to robe up. (laughs) Same thing with worship assistants if they didn't show up. So it was just like one of those things. It's like, you know, like find one of those good hiding places and make yourself as scarce as humanly possible because somebody is coming for you. I love it. Oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm partially asking selfishly, just thinking of, my daughter Alice, who's almost three, and another little kiddo who's on the way. So, like, do you have advice for either Andrew and myself raising pastors, kids, or just you know people who are are trying to raise their kids at church and wanting that to be a positive, non-scary, non-guilt-inducing experience for them? Michael, I think. Uh, encouraging them to um, participate and uh, kind of find the programs that they enjoy within the church. Uh, We were involved in everything possible. Everything. Yeah. Uh, Everything. And I don't think we, that might've been a part that sucked as kids. Cause it's like, that's not plain, but I, I, you know, it did help us, I think, find out like what our interests were and what we wanted to pursue in, in high school and then later on in, in life. So just have them do things. Don't let them quit right away. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then uh, I don't know, be patient. Yeah. Hopping off that point, make them do stuff, I think is great. But they don't have to like it. And that's cool. Like our parents were really, really good. Like mom and dad were great at saying... Like, you don't have to like going to youth board. Like, you don't have to like going to the youth group events. You don't have to like going to choir, you know, when we were kids on Mondays. Like, you don't have to like confirmation. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to have a blast. But you have to go, and you can't, you can't not engage with it from a place of good faith, right? And that, I think, especially as a kid, you know, you just want a little bit of agency. And when your parents are like, I'm going to give you this little bit, you're like, oh, they gave me everything. <laughs> They're so stupid. <laughs> And it's like, no, they're winning, as always, as parents will. Um, but, you know, it, it gave us the opportunity to make friends and, and make some pretty long-lasting relationships with our friend. I mean, Michael's longest friend is from COL. Um, I'm still friends with, I mean, Andrea Kuiper remains to this day somebody I talk with on a weekly basis. We have our quarantine buddies group chat every week, and she's still there. And that's in part, I think, due to, man... It's not great being here, but I was there every week with Andrea because her parents made Andrea come and David came and Andrea was there. And hey, um, some really great things coming from that. And so you don't have to like it. You don't have to love it, but um, just go and participate. And I think good things will happen. Yeah, definitely value in sticking things out. Mm-hmm. It is a hard thing to learn as a kid. So a cool thing to have others pass on to you. Yeah. Well, you're kind of going this direction anyways, but I was just curious now that you guys have both um, transitioned into adulthood and out of Brookfield, um, 
anything that you um, are like for sure hanging on to that's still a part of you from your childhood at Unity and conversely anything that you were really ready to let go of? David, we'll make you go first since you've had a little bit more time out of the nest. Oh, oh wow. You just hit me. All right. Um, old. I know, I know. Out of the nest. Uh, <laughs> I think I am always grateful to Unity just for the people there. Um, I mean, I, I can't count on all my digits, like, you know, all 20 fingers and toes. Uh, just how many people have taken such a vested interest in my life and in me and who are pretty wonderful and impressive people within their own rights. Um, and so, you know, I was coming back for holidays, but just coming back for an odd service here or there and being able to see all these people that I really look up to um, and know are back home in my corner are great. And I think, you know, the Peace Corps projects that I did while I was a, a volunteer in service in Togo, um, you know, so much of the funding for, you know, hospital updates and renovations and malaria treatment and um, really I think important stuff was from unity and it was uh, always appreciated. And I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to articulate just how much it was because I, I remember some of my fellow volunteers going through such a difficult time finding funding, which is, you know, another conversation in its own right. Um, there's a lot of different factors that, that go into that. And so I won't comment on that, but knowing full well, that I had a group of people that are sitting, waiting just for someone to say how, this is how you can help and just waiting for the word go and knowing that it's there and knowing that these are the people that I was raised around um, is something that I carry with me and I'm very proud of. Thanks. You know they're all proud of you too, right? I mean, that's their fault. <laughs> Michael? Uh, I get to follow that up. Um, yeah, no, I, there's nothing like the community of unity. Um, the unity of unity? The community. The community. Nice. nice. Cool. Um, like, I, it's essentially what David said. Like, I, like, I really enjoy going to the Cross of Light campus. Like, that building is a really, like, joyful place for me. Like, I've had a lot of good memories in it, but, uh, even if the building wasn't there, like the community itself is just the structure to all of those memories and um, being able, you know, whenever it is possible again to <laughs> walk in those doors with a full congregation. Um, 2022, baby. Uh, that's pessimistic for everyone listening. Uh, often soon, obviously, um, but just being able to walk in those doors yeah, not going to um, walk in those doors and just uh, know so many people on a, a really deep level is, is really special. And I think that um, like the practice I had forming those relationships from people babysitting me to being like friends and maybe not peers, but, of a you know of a of a very cordial place as adults is um you know something i never would have gotten anywhere else but reaching that that depth in each relationship is something i strive for in any relationship i form like these days so 
um, just having having had those experiences was in the community it was really really formative and um, yeah everyone's pretty great at unity so it's uh it probably would have been hard not to form some pretty good genuine relationships with uh, staff and and uh, I don't know just everyone in the congregation it was cool yeah. it is cool David did I did I do that one we, yeah I can keep going you want me to <laughs> well actually I was kind of thinking about um, where you two are at right now which, you know, you both went into the Peace Corps. David, you were able to finish and even extend your term. And Michael, it's just, uh, I've just been so heartbroken for you that, you know, you, you made it in and you got set up in Panama and then had to come home so, so soon because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're both on the, right on the edge of a new, um, new adventures for both of you. So I've just, you know, we're almost out of time, but just wondering if you have any closing thoughts about um, any role that church and faith has played in um, where your path has taken you. And um, and I'm sure people would love to hear just a little bit about what you have coming up next, too, if you're up for sharing that. So now, David, I'll let you go. All right. I'm ready. Um, so let's see path I'm on, what I'm up to next? Well, the short answer is who knows these days. Um, the longer answer is today's what, August 2nd, I think we're recording? Yeah, recording on August 2nd. Yeah, I have a flight book to Italy for a week from today on August 9th. Now, I don't have a visa and my passport's still at the consulate, but like, who knows, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm in theory going to graduate school. <laughs> In uh, at uh, Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies with the first year in Italy and then the second year in Washington, D.C. Um, to study kind of international affairs, uh, international economics, and then international development. Um, so that's the next two years. We'll see where it takes me. Obviously, uh, a lot of that is based off of my experience as a Peace Corps volunteer, which I really enjoyed. And so trying to find a vocation and job that kind of tracks with that. I also spent a bit over a year, uh, a couple months, maybe 15 months working as a social worker in Washington, D.C. with uh, families experiencing homelessness as well, which I think was impactful on my thoughts going forward. Uh, How did unity and faith impact that? Uh, I think one of the coolest things about just being kind of raised in it is that you don't really have to do much thinking about it. Uh, It's not something that I consciously have to sit down and say, how does my faith impact me on this decision? Um, I think grasp of my family and my parents and my upbringing, uh, it just kind of is a factor in your decisions without you really having to do too much work. And that's really cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've also been able to put a lot of trust in God in that sense where I don't know where I'm going to be a week from now, hopefully somewhere else, but if not, that's okay too. And knowing that my life has worked out pretty great up to this point, and I just have to trust that it's going to keep continuing to be okay. And if it's not okay, then, you know, it's not over yet. Yeah, and then you'll know what to do next. Yeah, no, I think that's just that's just a really cool image of what it looks like when values and faith have become so fully integrated in who you are that, you know, just who you are. And we love who both of you are. Michael, any... Uh, Closing thoughts for us? Not really. I can do a quick update. Um, 
obviously came back from Panama. Um, what was that? Like March 20th. So we're now four months and five months. I don't know. Time doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. It's already like almost 2021, y'all. Like, <laughs> who let that happen? This year doesn't count. I thought um, it was April. Oh, yeah. Weird. Very weird year. But your your weirdness is going to shift a bit starting tomorrow, right? Yeah. So I um, was offered a position as a public health planner with the La Crosse County Health Department uh, last week, which uh, I'm more than excited to accept. Uh, I did a lot of work with that in, in my you know limited time with Peace Corps, um, just working on uh, kind of water sanitation and hygiene practices and uh, kind of working with the schools and whatnot. So kind of extrapolating that to a, uh, a larger community here in the States is going to be a, a wonderful opportunity, wonderful learning experience for me um, in a professional sense. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, unity is the basis for all of this. Um, faith is always like David was saying, it's like, it's a really important part to have when things are not certain because mm-hmm. it's certain somehow, some way, even though we don't know it. And, you know, I'm hoping, um, you know, if maybe a little help from God that uh, I can get back to Panama by uh, the start of next year. Um, and uh, I don't know, just keep working. Yeah. Well, we've had about... 80 people listening each week to the podcast. So I think we can tell you you have 80 people now um, as of Tuesday who will be praying both for you to be able to get back to Panama, Michael, and David, for you to be able to get on that plane next week. Uh, I should have told everyone at the beginning that you guys are coming to us from the West Bend Horner Ivor Lake House where you have been camped out since, uh, yeah, like – yeah, it's the absolute it's, worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see that you guys are still talking to each other, even after all that time. And and we really appreciate you talking with us today. Um, we're just about out of time, but I I just have to say, on behalf of everybody who's part of this church, um, thank you for everything that you have invested in this place. Thanks thanks for putting up uh, with us, and thanks for letting us love you. And and we do. We really do. And just for me, thanks for showing me how great it can look like to be uh, a staff, a staff family. So we love you guys. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to everybody who was listening. Uh, we're glad that you joined us for this week's episode of Belief Beat. We'll be back next week with another conversation with some more people who matter about things that matter. But goodbye for now, and God bless you all. God bless. Thanks, y'all. Bye.